0: Welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. I'm Spencer Powell and today I bring on my good friend Kyle Hunt of Remodelers on the Rise. Kyle and I have known each other for quite some time and I always enjoy our conversations together. Today we we cover a myriad of topics. Yeah, thrown don't know where that vocab word came came out of. Hopefully I used it right. But uh, we we cover some marketing, some sales, kind of taking his temperature on what he's hearing in terms of just overall market conditions and sentiment and that sort of thing. And then we we wrap up with some rapid fire questions around different stages of the business that I thought his answers were super insightful. So I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did. I always get a lot of value out of these for myself as well. And Kyle's just an awesome guy and he brings a good mix of uh, clear action steps and some fun along the way. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Kyle Hunt. Hey, what's up, Kyle? Welcome back.
1: Hello, Spencer. It's good to be back.
0: Yeah, good to see you. Well, we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff because I got all kinds of questions for you today. But for those listening that don't know, Kyle and I go, go way back. I feel like it's been, are we coming up on maybe a decade of... I would say that's fair. Yeah, originally connecting over the interwebs. I feel like you and I were some of the first you know, people to start like... Podcasting and emailing and talking about marketing online and, and that sort of thing. Not not the
1: first people ever, but no, in no, particular no. going deep with the old remodeling and builder side of things for in, sure. In
0: this corner of the web, you know. Yes. Yes. Yeah, specific to remodelers. But yeah, I guess for context, when when was it that you really started that part of your journey?
1: My daughter, we were just talking before we clicked the live button. It's the first day of school for our, our four kids. And our daughter is a freshman. And it was when she was in the womb that I said, hey, honey, I want to quit my job for this remodeler and start my own business. We had one kid already, another one that we were pregnant with. So it's been a little over 14 years that that I kind of took the dive in.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it yeah. flies by. It it,
1: fly, it flies by. I was, I was reflecting on this the other day, though. Building a business, so for remodelers, contractors, builders listening to this, building a business just takes time. Now, there, there's some I, I was... I watching a colleague of mine and more of an acquaintance. And he's been building his coaching practice very, very fast. You know, he's done in three years, what took me 13 years to do. And sometimes we can compare ourselves and that can be an encouraging thing. Sometimes it can be discouraging. What we need to keep in mind is building a successful business. It just takes time and it's going to take a little bit longer for some, but are you still moving the ball forward? Are you still progressing? Are you not stuck? If that's the case, then keep at it brick by brick, day by day.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. The comparison game I think can can be really helpful or harmful, just depending on how you're using the comparison. Yeah. Cause sometimes it can sh- kind of show you a path that maybe it gets you going a little faster or it, you know, it's motivating, but it can, you know, also be the flip side, which I know I've struggled. I struggled with a lot early on was just like, yeah. I feel like I should be a lot farther. Like, I feel like I know a lot of stuff and, you know, you're, and you're just not, so you kind of have to use that one to your advantage. Well, I'm curious, what, what are you seeing right now? You know, I know you work with a lot of remodelers you talk to a lot of people just on a regular basis you got a large community where you guys are always engaging i'm just curious to get your read on like the sentiment you know like the last couple months and and where you think you know the rest of the year will kind of end up
1: you want me to prognosticate yeah if you want or you can or
0: you can just give like current vibes you know because i feel like current vibes are different than last summer current vibes
1: (laughs) yeah no i would i would definitely agree with that a lot of my my coaching is around kind of four areas. So I do a lot of work around financials and helping remodelers understand their financials, sales process, marketing, and leadership. So it's kind of the four areas that I do most of my, my work in. And I'd say over the last two, three, three plus years, marketing has gone from something people want to talk about and work on a lot to being kind of number four out of those lists of four. Leads have been prevalent. Leads have been flowing. Projects have been signing. And all of a sudden, over the last four months, three months, you know, here we are, September 2022, all of a sudden, as I'm doing my one-on-one coaching calls and some of my group programs, marketing seems to be a little bit more on everybody's radar, meaning... Things are a little slower as far as new leads coming in. Is that just summertime? Is that the, you know, the stock market and the recession getting people antsy and pushing the pause button? And I'm also hearing from a lot of my clients as far as current vibes, more people kind of pumping the brakes a little bit, a little bit more of, you know, I were thinking about it, or I think we're gonna have to wait and see how this is going. So that that's what I'm I'm sensing and from a remodeler standpoint, I think it's a reminder that we can't get complacent with our marketing efforts. We need to make sure that we're continuing there. And then also make sure we're not getting complacent with our sales process. Sales have been easier or easy, easier, whatever you want to call it, easy the last few years. And all of a sudden now we're going to get, we need to get back to the solid sales fundamentals, solid salesmanship, solid fundamentals of how to move a prospect from a prospect into a paying project. So there's a little antsiness is the vibe I'm getting a little bit of something is happening out there to be determined what that ends up looking like. So there's, there's current vibes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Similar to what, what we're seeing, I would say, you know, it's just, we've been used to the last couple of years, which has just been super busy, super, you know, like all the challenges have been delivery side, Mm. generally, not the front end, you know, and now it's kind of shifting back. And, you know, well, you and I could probably go pull some receipts and go check some podcasts and different things that we probably did last year when everyone was busy, and we were tooting the marketing horn. And it's like, build it now when you're super busy. (laughs) But I feel like right now, we're still in that zone where it's not like everything's dead, you know, it's just slower than six, 12 months ago. Yeah.
1: So. And and some of the sales backlog of work, you know, is, is starting to slow down a little bit. Again, people are a little antsy now. How do we handle that? How do we go on the offense with that? That's where it goes back to making sure we are keeping our sales pipeline organized. Are you, were you getting lazy with your sales pipeline, with having proper follow-up, with reducing your cycle time between the time that, you know, you, you have that initial maybe project development, signing, and when they actually sign the contract. Pay attention to that. Get people through your sales pipeline at a solid rate. Time kills deals. So make sure you're sharp there. And then it's also that marketing side. Make sure that it's time to dust off some proven, practical, simple, effective marketing and get that in place. Even if you don't need it, need it right now, at least this a little bit of slowdown or this feeling that you're having reminds you that it's a very important aspect of your business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into the sales bucket there. Cause there's a question came up recently in one of our groups and I've been want- wanting to drill into it with you. And that is mm-hmm. this idea, kind of a specific scenario in sales when you're, you've typically got like owner founders doing most of the sales and then you're trying to work your way out of that. It, it feels like you've got the pre-qualification stage, like the phone call that comes in, like, do we even want to have a meeting with this person? Then you go have the first meeting, and then continue on through, you know, signing design, signing construction. Have you seen like a pattern of success there if somebody's like, I'm doing almost all the sales and I'm trying to install somebody else into either like the whole role or different phases of the role? Like, is mm-hmm. there a rollout where you're like, we're just going to delegate prequal and somebody else will do that? Or now I got somebody in the design. Like, How do you see it best being broken up and going about that? I think people get yeah. stuck there.
1: Yeah. One thing I love about our industry and I I love about coaching remodelers is, yes, there are great best practices, but there is just not a one size fits all answer. If you went through my Rolodex of clients, you would say, wow, that person has a salesperson that just is doing sales and it used to be the owner. Interesting. Wait, that salesperson doesn't even do design and project development or estimating? They have somebody else that does that. You have other folks where the owner is doing everything from start to finish. You have somebody like Bill Tanas with Key Builders who has Dana on his team. And Dana is amazing at that pre-qualification. Ain't nobody getting to Bill. And Bill is certainly not going out to meet anybody unless it's really a good fit. So it comes in all different shapes and sizes. I would say, you know, what you just went through, we have the pre-qualification stage stage. And who is doing that? And how do we best approach that? We have the initial kind of sales work of the initial conversation about the project, maybe an initial meeting. And perhaps what I end up doing when I'm coaching clients is giving an an idea of a ballpark range. And then oftentimes remodelers should be charging for design and or for project development. And a lot of times one person can be doing all of that or depending on the size of your project, of your business, and what your org chart looks like, it may be you know kind of segmented out. I would say a lot of my clients that are doing it well have somebody that is specializing in the lead qualification. Mm-hmm. They've trained them. They're, they're a little bit of that gate that people have to go through. They are bubbly. They are great first impression. They're asking good questions, and they really work through that initial pre-qualification. Then there's somebody that is doing the sales work. A lot of times that still is the owner, but not always. And they are the face of the company. They are really able to build know, like, and trust tremendously. They're able to give kind of that ballpark range. And oftentimes, especially if you're you know, in that 3 million plus range, usually you will have either an estimator and or an estimator or designer that once that design and project development is signed, that project is smoothly getting handed off. them, So I see that often working nicely. And again, you have to be at a certain level of revenue to be able to afford those different pieces. So whether you're there and you're kind of thinking about what's the next kind of piece to put into place, or even if you're smaller, think through lead qualification, initial visit, charging for design and development, you know, and then executing and getting into the detailed design and detailed project development.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I totally agree. Cause I, I mean, I kind of did an initial poll and it seems like the setups are, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to slice yeah. it. And so it's kind of figuring out what stage of business are you in and then what skill sets maybe you have or how do you want it to look in three years and starting to just fill. Fill the steps,
1: and part of it, and I guess if they're listening to this via audio, this won't have dramatic effect. But for people watching the video, what you need to do more of is I'm in I'm a little chair here. You need to sit back in your chair. I I personally kind of cross my legs sometimes, you know. And then and then you take your left or right hand, you put it on your chin like this, and you stare out the window, and you think, you quiet everything else, and you think, you think strategically. What is the stuff that's stressing me out right now? What is the next thing I need to take off my shoulders and hand to a team member I already have? Who is my next hire that I'm going to make in the next 6 to 12 months that's going to help strengthen my business, whether it's on the sales and design and development side or whether it's on the production side? Everybody listen to this, myself included. Spencer, you're kind of an anomaly or a stud, you probably think strategically all the time, but I don't slow down enough just to go like this and think, and the people listening to this, you guys aren't for the most part doing it either. So slow down and think strategically. What is the next move? And also some of you have tried or dabbled with it. What's working, what's not working with it. How do you continue to move the process forward and strengthen it?
0: I like it. Yeah. I also want to tell you, you like, about the- you like the pose. All the lowest part is yeah. the whole. All, cut. Yeah, mostly the the little bit of thigh. Yeah, when you have kind of crossed your leg. Well,
1: you know these these <laughs> pants.
0: I we we went through. Uh, there was a little. There was a little
1: too much thigh there. I apologize for that. <laughs> My wife and I got a couple of weeks ago. She was in the right you know frame of mind for it, and we cleaned out our closets and she purged like crazy. I did the same. The Builder Funnel socks they made the cut. Whew, You'll be happy small. to know. Yeah. But I found these pants and I put them on this morning. I don't know if it's because I maybe. I've added three or four pounds in the last month, but they are a little snug and a little shorter than I'd like. But thanks for noticing.
0: Well, now you know what you got to do, right? You know, Mm
1: -hmm. just... How many people do you think are listening to the audio of this that are desperately now trying to find the video?
0: Oh, yeah. And well, and we're going to delay the posting of that. So they're like searching everywhere and then they start emailing in to get the video. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing.
1: If you send a screenshot... Of the video of my leg, and you figure out my email address, and you send that to me, I'm going to have some kind of free swag or something for that person. Better
0: be good, yeah. Maybe okay. it'll be those shorts. Yeah, <laughs> woo, autographed. Yeah. Well, you as it, you were going to say, what? I don't even remember anymore. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Now you know what you need to do. You know, just spend two weeks eating clean, and you'll be you'll drop three pounds. Easy. there you go. Oh, perfect. Easy peasy. So back to sales follow up. I'm curious, how do you see? maybe I'll say an effective way to do this because there's always more than one way to do it, but you start at pre you go through the whole sales process, but then the project starts. But then after you complete the project, like, do you see, should you carry a common thread of like a salesperson that comes back for a punch list or warranty mm-hmm. and kind of the follow-up? Because I feel like that is a huge area that gets missed and just isn't consistent. You kind of briefly touched on the beginning you know kind of buttoning up our follow up and our yeah. you know our, so i'm curious how you see that best yeah work. so
1: you're ta- and you're talking when the project is done how we treat them once that's completed
0: yeah because you've basically gone marketing to then sales prequal you take them through that and then you hand off to delivery right it's project yep. and now you're doing the project but then at the end of the project Who's closing it out? Is it project team? Does sales come back into the picture? or And if so, yeah. when? So yeah, I'm yeah. curious.
1: So it's a, it's a great question. And far too many remodelers are kind of tripping over the finish line instead of finishing strong. So when we think of the end of the projects uh, of kind of getting towards completion and also what happens right after completion, have this idea of the final 5%, the final 5%. What people remember you on is not the 95% of the great work that you did throughout design, development, production. Oh man, you did do a great job there. You kept the job site nice and clean. They remember that final 5%. And oftentimes we are anxious to get new projects started or we are just a little bit lazy and not throwing the proper time, attention, and resources to finish that project strong. And yes, it usually takes us to blitz it, to add more resources towards it, to have a really strong final punch list process where they're signing off on it. You actually have a final punch list process. And just doing everything you can, and it's a lot of work to do this well, but to finish that project really strong. That's an attitude thing. If you go down to Rainy Blair in Atlanta and you look at their board that has all of their active projects, under a couple of them, you're going to see fourth quarter, exclamation mark, I use that analogy and it resonated with them. They may even put the final 5%, but this fourth quarter idea is football season starting. When the fourth quarter rolls around, a lot of college teams, they go like this. They put the four fingers up. Why? Not because they're necessarily going to you know, have this brand new game plan. It's more like, all right, this is the make or break time. Like focus mm-hmm. in, double down on our efforts. This is when we win or lose. And they like that analogy. It's it's also the same thing as the final 5%. These projects are in the fourth quarter. These projects are in the final 5%, finish strong. That's part of it. And then to answer your question, here's what I would say is have a, when the project is completed, show me the checklist of things that you do once the project is completed. Are you getting the warranty packet out to them? Are you getting a client satisfaction survey? Did you request a request a Google review? Did you get them a nice end of project gift? And to your point, how do you want to handle you know, that final you know, meeting at their house or conversation to really put an exclamation mark at the end of it. I have clients I'd say a good best practice one of my clients you know he he comes to their home after everything's done. The final invoice has already been paid. He's not coming to get money. He shows up there to really have, okay, my team kind of walked you through this. Can you just give me a real honest assessment of what went well, what we struggled with, how we could improve and just really has a good conversation and a good kind of final, you know, check of that project. So that's a pretty solid best practice. And if you're doing bigger projects, if you're doing 20, 30 projects a year, there's no reason that you can't pull that off. If you're doing more replacement stuff, smaller projects, you have a hundred of them, that may be too labor intensive. So think through it for your business. But the biggest thing, finish strong, final 5% and have a checklist that you make sure that you check through when the project's done. Don't get lazy and just jump to the next project. Finish strong. It's huge for repeat and referral work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And I like the mental reminder of the fourth quarter. Cause some that's really what it probably is. Most of the time It's just a mental reminder that, Hey, yeah. we just need, we need to close this one out. And, and well, we can't just like limp along here. And yeah. You know, yeah. So that's and good. a lot.
1: And a lot of it is meant a lot of it is mentality and yeah. like your attitude towards it. We want to be done. Everybody's weird. Oh, this popped up. Now we got to finish this, have that mentality of wanting to really run through the finish line.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, we're going to shift to marketing because we can't do a podcast without us t- not talking marketing. All right, budgets. I'm curious, what do you see as a good way to go about the budgeting process? We're coming up on Q4 and heading into the next year. For years and years, I've talked to remodelers that have been built on word of mouth and referral. So their budgets were usually like 0.2%. You know, and they're yeah. like, I've spent 10 grand or five grand on marketing for the whole year. And so then they think, oh, if I just, actually put a little bit, like five more thousand dollars, it'll like double my business. You know, what's a good way to just think about a budget? Should it be percentage? Should it be dollar? Mm. Should it be based on other factors? What's your take?
1: Yeah. So one is, it is not a badge of honor to be the remodeler who spends the least on advertising and marketing. I only spend 0.2% of my overall sales. Cool. But that's not necessarily a great thing. That may be a very haphazard and unwise thing for you. So there's several factors that come into play. One is how long have you been in business? Remodelers that have been in business 20, 30 years, their Rolodex of clients and strategic partners and referral sources are much stronger than somebody that's been in business for four or five years. That's a factor. Another factor is what's your growth goals? If you're doing $1.5 million in sales and you've been there for the last several years, you don't really want to grow past that. You find it's a sweet spot for you. Your marketing budget may not be as aggressive or as high as somebody that's doing 1.5 and they're looking to up it to 2.5 and 3.5 you know, those remodelers are going to need to invest more and fuel more marketing and leads because they've got some major growth goals. A lot of times if you've been in business for quite a while and you don't want to grow very much, just that, yes, word of mouth takes care of it. But if you're wanting to grow and you want to and you want to grow it at some speed, that's where there's some more marketing dollars that go into it. You know, one of my clients, my biggest remodeling client, does he's tickling $20 million in residential remodeling. He spends very, very, very little on marketing, advertising, and sponsorships because his strategic partner network, designers, architects, realtors, high-end landscapers fuel most of his work. He's in a very high rent district. And a lot of times his ideal clients are coming through that. Plus they've been in business for 30 plus years. So isn't that interesting? His marketing budget's very small, but his marketing strategy revolves around strategic partners. Strategic partners are, are high touch, our relationship building, but other than taking them out for a lovely dinner a couple of times a year and dropping some nice little food off because you really, really appreciate them and doing a little bit of whining and dining... It's more your time and relationship building that is going to fuel that business. You know, if you are more along the lines of, man, I want to get ranked on, do you know anything about ranking websites, Spencer? I've heard of it, but. Heard yeah. something about that? Yeah, uh, something called hard. SEO, search engine, oddballs, or I don't know, optimization. I don't this know. What sounds
0: familiar. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of yeah, yeah,
1: so somebody it's like, all right, this year I'm going to get my website properly built, I'm going to invest in search engine optimization, I'm going to work through some Google AdWords, I want to get some Facebook advertising going. You know, our job site signs are lame, I want to get that going, I want to letter our vehicles, it's stupid. We've got potential for moving billboards going around town, and we need to invest five, six grand in that. You know, I'm not doing anything to stay in touch with previous clients, I need to invest some dollars there. So, you know, that person is. Is likely going to get into more of the one, two, three percent of gross revenue. So it's it, if you were doing replacement work, window siding, roofing, what I found is that percentage of marketing advertising is going to get into that five, six, seven, eight percent range. For a lot of residential remodelers, if you're doing one to two percent, uh, oftentimes you're investing a good amount of money in marketing and advertising. A lot of your peers are sub one percent and I would, I would argue they need to be doing some more in order to really build out some multifaceted marketing. So that's my hot take on it.
0: Sweet, I like it. Yeah, hot take. Is that, uh, about,
1: is that about where you're at in the thinking?
0: Yeah, usually somewhere between two and 5%. But again, like the the factors I usually talk about are a couple you hit, like how fast are you trying to grow is a huge factor. And then the other factor is just went blank. So how fast are you trying to grow? And then it'll trigger- Like in like business? That that is one. Yeah. That isn't what I was going to say. Cause you said that one. And that is a huge one because the word of mouth referral piece like builds over time. But I would say the other thing is just how much do you want to rely on ads versus time? That's Mm -hmm. what it was. You talked about the the $20 million guy and he's spending maybe less dollars, but there's a time commitment to that, the relationship building. And that's why I think Starting with strategy is always the key because it's saying like, hey, do I, do I want this to be my channel or this to be my channel and like or both to be my channel? But they're going to either cost dollars or time, and so part yeah. of that is that evaluation because some people they're design build they don't want to work with architects. But if you say no, we'll follow the design build, but we're just going to partner with a whole bunch of architects. Like
1: right.
0: two different outcomes, they could both be successful, but it's just a different strategy.
1: Yeah, and the other the other thing I would say is. Practically speaking, look in your QuickBooks and how much did you spend on advertising and marketing last year? How many dollars? When you look at your overall business budget for this year, or as you're looking at the next year in 2023, what is your actual advertising and marketing budget? And yes, you should have a business budget, but Kyle, I don't know how much I'm going to bring in in revenue. I don't know this. You do know all your overhead expenses. You should have a net profit goal. You should know based on your markup, how much gross profit dollars you need. And then you can build that out into your your total sales, create that business budget. And you should have a marketing advertising line item on there. What I often see is people, when they create their budget, they might put $25,000 in there for marketing and advertising, but they end up only spending 14. They only end up spending 11. So make sure that you dust off how much have you been spending and where. And then when you create your 2023 budget, set that goal of how much you're wanting to invest in marketing advertising, and then make sure as you go through the year that you're actually investing those dollars.
0: Book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes. If you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodeler marketing blueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. I got two more marketing questions and we'll do a rapid fire to close this out.
1: Sounds exciting.
0: Heading into like a, well, we're in a recession technically, and then, you know, depending on if it gets a lot worse or whatever, but marketing budget wise, do you recommend people cut marketing, hold steady, or or is this a time to increase? Like where on that spectrum would you be? Mm-hmm. I know I'm asking you to generalize because every situation yeah. is different, but generally how would you tackle
1: that yeah it's it's every, every situation is a little bit different but i would say we have that mentality of all right let's conserve let's conserve dollars let's make sure we're not you know investing too much i if if things do slow down if things do tighten up then you should be looking very closely at every line item on your Profit and loss statement. Where are some areas that you can trim or shave off? And I think we know just as business people in general. Wait, things are slowing down, and I'm going to cut advertising and marketing. That just doesn't jive for me. It doesn't jive for most people. Was super interesting. You asked me when I started my business. It was in it was in 2008. 2008. There was not a lot of business in the remodeling side. Here I here I am. You know, young naive. I'm like I'm i I'm a marketing guy for remodelers but when i think back to it you know arguably one of the worst recessions we went through my first five or six clients were wise Remodelers who saved up in the good times and they realize I need to invest in a marketing plan. I need to invest in taking my marketing more seriously. I'm thinking of Bill Tanas and Brett Olekson and Tom Barber and Bill Ruff. You know, those were my first clients that were remodelers and they saved up. And when things got tight, they doubled down on marketing. So that's that's probably my biggest, my biggest thought is no, 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 no. Make sure marketing advertising, even though advertising a lot of times shows up. In the first spot of your overhead expenses, because it starts with A, make sure that's not the one that you lead off with on cutting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like, like thinking about if there's just like a like hundred projects a month in your area and then hit a recession and now there's 20 a month or 30 a month. And out of a hundred, maybe you were getting five of them. Well, now there's 20 or 30. Like, are you still getting five? And the way to still get five is more market share. So if you improve your marketing, your exposure, your advertising, and you increase, well, then if you think about what percentage of five of 30 is, and then if it goes back to a hundred during normal times or whatever, if you can, then you can kind of grow your percentage along with that. And the number of jobs will go up.
1: And I think we both mentioned already, you know, let's try to be as proactive as possible. Kyle, I don't need a lot of leads right now. Great time to market.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right, last marketing question. I'm just curious, out of the like clients you're talking to and remodelers, like where are people, the people that are spending on marketing, where are people spending it? Is it digital? Is it offline? Is it sponsorships? Is it the you know, relationships? Like if you had to kind of go like one, two, three, those are kind of the top areas that most people mm-hmm. are putting putting yeah. money into.
1: I'd say oftentimes their website is getting some good dollars and attention. And I would kind of couple that with some search engine optimization. So the the online presence, I, I argue that your your website's kind of the central hub of all your marketing efforts. And for most of you listening to this, you don't really proudly send prospects and clients to your website. Now, it's a little outdated. Yeah, I should probably get our process much clearer. Is that project that we did 10 years ago that really looks outdated at this point still on our portfolio page? Why haven't we heard that idea from Spencer years ago to create that our team page that people would visit that we still haven't even taken a stinking picture of our team and put bios up there. So investing time in updating your website, making sure it is sharp, making sure it is ranking well is something that a lot of my clients are putting good focus and dollars towards, I'd say more of my clients are looking strongly at professional video. Hmm. Professional video can cost a buck or two. But man, when you are, especially if you're catering towards a little bit of the higher end of the market to feature beautiful projects and share the story of those projects and to interview those clients with really nice B-roll footage, that can be extremely effective at building know, like, and trust and positioning you in your marketplace. So a lot of my clients, especially those catering towards the higher end, are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on video work. And what's fun about it is the more you do, the more B-roll footage you have to pull from, the more you as the owner or a couple of people on your team feel more comfortable in front of the camera. Now we're creating things like we're recruiting videos for our new employees. Now we're creating a video that really walks people through how our design and development process works. Now we're introducing team members and videos. Wonderful way to build know, like, and trust. That'll be number two. And number three, they're investing in making sure they're staying in touch with their most valuable marketing asset, which is their previous clients. Whether that means nice, end of project gifts, whether that means an end of the year gift to all of your key previous clients, whether it means sending emails consistently to your previous clients. Those are the people that you have no like, and trust built with and that we need to make sure we're not neglecting.
0: Right on. I like it. Cool. All right. Rapid fire. Best book you've read or consumed via audio this year? Via audio? Audible?
1: Oh, could I or could I could I do do it the old-fashioned way and read as well?
0: Yeah, that's why I said if that you read or listen. Oh, I thought I all I heard was that you listened to,
1: and I'm <laughs> like, wow, I didn't even listen to a book. You um, could have read now, it
0: or listened to it. Your your choice.
1: Yes. Everything up to this point. Spencer sent me a note. He said, I have a hodgepodge of questions that I'm not going to tell you what they are because I like the spontaneity, but he did tell me about this book question. So I pulled it up. This is by John U. Bacon. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And it says, "Let them lead." Unexpected lessons in leadership from America's worst high school hockey team. And I'm not all the way through this book, but I will be in the coming month. This was this gentleman was referred to me. I have a an event coming up for my VIP club here in Michigan, and and it's all about leadership. And I'm I'm having John come in to be a keynote for that. He's in the Ann Arbor area, and he took he took this Huron River Rats. Literally, their mascot name is the River Rats, and yes. My nephew, Logan, is a proud River Rat. He's a freshman this year. And they were the worst hockey team in the nation. And his real key lesson there is he let the team really take ownership of the team to to really lead well, to take responsibilities, to be the one setting goals. Yes, he guided. Yes, the other coaches guided. But when they took ownership of the team, when they took full responsibility, it really transformed the whole program and led to some really good results. So I'm in the middle of this one. And what I like about it is just, it's, he's a storyteller. He's written a bunch of books on Michigan football. I've bought these books for my father-in-law over the years. He's a great storyteller, and it's just a beautiful story of leadership and very applicable to how you can take that and apply it to our businesses.
0: That's cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. All right. Three more questions. Best advice for modelers under a million trying to get to a million plus.
1: Under a million, trying to get to a million plus. Know your numbers. Know your numbers. The sooner and faster and better you actually understand the difference between markup and margin, the sooner you can put a profit and loss statement in front of me and you can explain to me how your PL works. And you see that as total sales minus cost of goods sold equals gross profit minus overhead expenses equals net profit. And you know what your expected gross profit is versus your actual gross profit on a project. When you start really dialing that in and understanding that, You're going to go from $500 or $600 or $672,000 over a million dollars rather quickly because you're going to tweak your pricing and probably increase your pricing. If I'm under a million, you need to charge more. How's that for a general blanket statement? you Um, You need to understand your numbers. Once you know your numbers, that is the unlock to really being able to grow and grow profitably. The other thing is when you're at that size, you need to figure out how to delegate one thing get creative with it. Find somebody that's going to come in 10 hours a week to take on this responsibility. Find a bookkeeper, find somebody to do some content for you. Find some inexpensive creative ways to start to take some responsibility off your shoulder and put it onto others. Trust that carpenter who's kind of a lead carpenter, train him and get him or her going into more of a lead carpenter direction so they can take some of that responsibility off. Those, Those are probably the biggest things. Know your numbers and figure out how to delegate some things.
0: Sweet. Yeah. All right. You're, now you're at a million. You've done those two things. Trying to get to two, three million. Mm-hmm. Best of so if I'm, if,
1: yeah. If I'm at a million going to that range, what's really happening here is now I'm starting to build out my team. This is the time where all of a sudden, instead of you wearing all of these hats, again, you should watch the video because we're, look at all those hats. <laughs> dynamic. Yes. Look at all those hats, just a stack of hats. Instead of wearing all those hats, you start to be able to take off some major hats. Who is going to help you truly organize and run the office? Who is going to take on some responsibility of really managing a lot of The production management side of things. Perhaps depending on what's going on, who are you going to hire to help with design and estimating? It could be part-time people. It could be subcontractors and trade partners that fill that designer role. You know, even project management role. But this is the time where you really need to build out that team because what got you to a million dollars will not get you to three million. You need some really solid people around you in order to grow without pulling your hair out.
0: (laughs) All right, last one. Now you got to three, we're going to five. Best advice Mm. there.
1: My first question there is why? You know, why do you want to grow from three to five? I have seen remodelers who have done that not like their business as much who have made less money at that point. So you really need to get clear on why do you want to grow? It should be clear. It should be compelling you at this point, especially if you've taken it all the way up to 3 million, you should have some reasons why you want to continue to grow it. So be very clear with that. And this is also the time where things get really weird for you. You, your role in the business is going to be much different than it was before. All of a sudden, that stuff that you love doing, you love going on the job sites, you love the, the hustle of the sale. You have people most likely really owning those areas of the business. And your role is so much more around leadership and team development. So you have to prepare yourself for that and you have to want that. So those, those are the thoughts when you're going from three to five.
0: Kyle, if people want to learn more about how you help remodelers or what you're up to today, what's a good place that people should go check it yeah. out?
1: Well, the the second highest rating after the Builder Funnel podcast is a podcast called Remodelers on the Rise. That's my podcast. You can find out about me and my coaching and everything at remodelersontherise.com. And then Spencer alluded to it earlier. I have a very active Facebook group called Remodelers Community. If you go to remodelerscommunity.com, you can request to join that. It's really,
0: really, really good. It is really good. I can yep. I can vouch for that. And I don't know, you may be above us in the rankings. We'll have to go. Yeah. We'll go screenshot to, check it out. Yeah, well, the screenshot the old stats. Cool. Well, I would highly recommend you guys go check that out, join the group, check out the podcast, and then I guess final parting words of wisdom or a final thought for the day that you want yeah. to leave people with. I would, I would say nobody on this call nor anybody
1: listening to this knows exactly what's going to happen related to the economy and if things are going. It's it's all quirky. It's weird out there. Very you look weird. at that stat and you look at that stat and wait a minute, that's supposed to be really low, but it's high and this is supposed to do this, but it's low and inflation and this and that. Nobody knows. But what we do know is there are smart Business practices, sharpen your sales pipeline, make sure your sales process is tight and organized and solid. Make sure that you have a compelling marketing message and a compelling marketing, multifaceted marketing plan, and really understand your numbers. Optimize your numbers around the most profitable projects. Pay attention to your job costing. Fundamentals, fundamentals. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't control that, but there's a lot in our business we can control. Hopefully, this conversation pushed you to pick maybe one of those areas and do something with it in the, in the coming days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Like you said, brick by brick, just control what you can control. Kyle, I always enjoy these. So thanks for carving out the time for us today.
1: That was fun. Nice interview. Thank you.
0: Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that one with Kyle. As always, let's pull out some takeaways from the conversation. I felt like there were a bunch of them and kind of spread all over the board. But I think the the first one was just going back to what Kyle mentioned about kind of like buttoning things up, tightening the ship, however you want to phrase it. But getting back to the basics, especially from a marketing and sales standpoint, sales process standpoint, I thought his his comment where he said sales has been pretty easy, easier, but you could even say easy in some instances over the last couple of years with just the amount of demand. And so sometimes that causes us to get a little bit laxy, lackadaisical or you just kind of skip some steps and, and certain things where you don't have to follow up as much. And, and so I think, that comment he made was was spot on. And it's it's always timely, but it's more timely when we're bumping into like, oh, demand is softening, but that's something that we should all be doing. And so this is just a good reminder to, oh yeah, we, we should always be looking at that and making sure we're following our processes super clearly. So I thought that was good advice. Two, I thought just the conversation around marketing was really good in terms of budgets and really just doing the action step for me was just doing the analysis of where is your business today? Where do you want it to be in 12 months? What are you spending now? And then making the actionable decision. Do I want to decrease this, hold it even or double down? And it's just going to depend on your situation, how much growth you're looking for, and just kind of what your existing situation looks like. But he had some good advice around kind of how to to find where you sit in that. Actually, if you head on over to our YouTube channel, I just did a video on on that topic as well. Because so many people say you should budget, you know, this percentage and I feel like that's very limiting because the answer should be, it depends. It depends on your goals. It depends on where you are today. It depends on how fast you're gr- you you want to grow, how slow you want to grow. There's a lot of different factors. And so I think using a range and then using some criteria to decide where you should be, those should be considerations as a part of that decision. So I'm also going to snag that book you mentioned. But I think that was a, another good, just tactical thing that you can do. And I will request that and see if I can drop that in the show notes as well. But with that, I will leave it as those three action items and takeaways and we'll see you guys next time here on builder funnel radio thanks again for listening everybody and as a quick reminder text radio to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show and if you got some value from today's episode i just ask that you leave us a quick review on itunes it really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.